Welcome to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations, a podcast exploring the cool Christian girl's guide to living in America. I'm your girl, April Davenport. I'll reveal to you a little personal testimony while merging ministry, education, and real life. We will also discuss current events with relevant figures of our time. It is the perfect blend of headline news, black girl magic, and of course, Jesus juice. Come with me on a journey you won't soon forget. So stay tuned, don't change the channel, and let's take a ride. to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. I'm your host, April Davenport, and here we are, episode nine. I hope that you've tuned in to episodes one through eight. If not, just go right back and watch them when you finish with this episode. I'm so excited today that I am here with one of my great, great friends and brothers. And although he's not here with me in the studio, he is here with me in spirit because he's all the way in Chicago, Illinois, in the Midwest, where some of my great family and friends are. And so so he's on the computer. So we thank God for virtual technology. And if you weren't technological before 2020, you certainly are now because this pandemic has forced everyone to learn something about their phones, their computers, their tablets. And if you didn't know the word Zoom before, you certainly know the word Zoom now. So we thank God for Zoom and we thank God for Pastor Reginald W. Sharp Jr., pastor of the Great Fellowship Chicago uh, Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois. Pastor Sharp, thank you for joining us today. Well, we thank you, first of all, on behalf of all the saints in America that have tuned into you in some way, whether it's via Instagram Live, Facebook Live, or whether they've tuned in uh, to you via Refuel on Wednesdays or on church on Sundays. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in the kingdom of God, whether it's sharing a word, whether it's praying for people or doing all of the ministry work that you're doing in Chicago. We know that it is a great work that you're doing. It's not even your uh, completed first year yet, and you're just thrust into so much uh, in the midst of this pandemic. I can only imagine um, all that it has entailed. I know that you've allowed us to see some of it, but I know that there's so much that goes into being a pastor, being a leader. Um, and so we just thank God for all that you're doing and for heeding to the word of God. So tell us, how has it been pastoring in this pandemic? It has been an experience like none other. Um, I have pastored more time in the pandemic than I did pre-pandemic. Okay. So I only pastored outside of the pandemic for two months and two weeks. Mm -hmm. I've now been in this, what, going on seven months, eight months mm -hmm. now. Um, so I've had to adjust everything personally. And what I'm discovering is that you can't pour from an empty cup. So I am being more intentional about self-care uh, investing in my mental, my mental health, mm -hmm. investing in my physical health. So I stay in the gym. I, I have invested in a therapist, mm -hmm. um, um, and even my spiritual health, not just going to the Bible to preach, but going to the Bible for worship and for learning and for my own feeling. And so as I stay full, then I can pour and share the overflow 
to other people. But, and to be honest, my, my physical health, my mental health, even my spiritual health wasn't where it needed to be pre-pandemic. Um, and so this space has given me time to slow down and really care for me, invest in my family, my wife, and, um, and I'm a better me because of this pandemic. I know that sounds strange, but I'm literally a better person. I'm a better human. I'm a better pastor because of this season. You know, today, uh, Pastor, we are talking about the state of the black church, and I know that it really encompasses so much. But before we get into that discussion, you just mentioned something about uh, being a better me. And that really resonates with me um, because at the start of this year, it was really my goal to really work on uh, the total person, right, um, of myself. And there were so many things um, that I had outlined with God that I really wanted to to work on. Um, and obviously, you know, from a personal standpoint, different things that have happened in my life that I feel like um, I've just really had to encounter a major shift. But um, how important do you think it is for pastors, especially for leaders, to be transparent um, in this age and in this stage um, with their parishioners, but with just the body of Christ to, for the body of Christ to understand that as you try to help us transform, that you are also undergoing constant transformation and reformation. That's such a great question. I, I mean, I, I've been reading this book called The Art of Pastoring, and I recommend it not just for pastors, but any leader, anybody trying to go deeper with your understanding of God. And, um, and what they say in that book is, it's not my job to help you find God. Mm -hmm. It's my job to help you see how I found God. Okay. And as I show you my journey, as I show you my struggles, because you trust my leadership or because we're rocking through life together, as you see me struggle to discover where God is in my life, it actually inspires and frees you to join the struggle of discovering God in your own life. So for me, vulnerability and transparency is everything. When people see that you're human, when people see that you struggle, when people see that, you know, you have good days, bad days, that things make you cry, things make you happy, it frees people to say, oh, well, I can, I can hurt too. I can be in pain too. I can struggle too. So transparency is now more important than ever, but uh, you don't want to be transparent to the point of just showing everything, you know, right, right, uh, right. But, but, but it's more of a vulnerability than a transparency. It's a sacred vulnerability more than a transparency. Transparency says, come look at me mm -hmm. uh, and, and look at my business and get all in my stuff. Vulnerability says, no, listen to me uh, and, and, and hear, hear how my own tests and storms have made me who I am now. And if you find yourself in that, you're welcome to glean whatever you want to glean. So you know what I'm saying? I understand that. I, and yeah. I appreciate that. And I think that uh, there's a, uh, another, I'll say, faith where um, instead of calling their leaders pastor, they call them brother. Um, because they identify that the leadership is on the same level as the parishioner, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the, it's not as if there's a hierarchy, right? And so because of something that you said, right, is that being a pastor doesn't exclude you from going through struggle, from having trials. And so in that particular faith, they want people to understand that uh, being a, the leader does not make them less human. Right. So they they go through the same things. And so what I hear you saying is that 
being a pastor, obviously God has positioned you in, you know, a certain place, right, to to lead. But that doesn't mean that God has excused you from anything in life. And so because of that, then, you know, yes, he's placed you in a certain position, but that doesn't mean that you get a, you know, a get out of jail free card because none of that excuses you from being able to go through certain things. But because of that, you know, you are in a position where you can offer help to anyone who may go through those same trials. And sometimes that means going through the trials together, right? Um, with someone and then, you know, also learning together. And so we can appreciate that. Um, so as, as we talk about the state of the black church and not to mean that, you know, God has separate churches. We're not saying that at all because we know that we are all one body of Christ believing in, you know, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if we just look at um, and when I say the black church, I just mean the predominant church where we're looking at how it's affecting uh, the body of Christ as African-American believers. Right. So when I say the black church, um, just in general, would you say that the black church in 2020 is just as strong as it was during the era of Martin Luther King, right, and the civil rights moment? So 50 years ago, would you say that the black church is just as strong as it is now as it was then? Or even 20 years ago, is the black church uh, just as strong? Well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the black church is not monolithic. Okay. Uh, it is not one black church. There are different strands. There are different variations. Um, you can have a church full of black folk and not be a black church. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you can have, um, you can have different uh, denominations. You can have different theologies. So you have liberals and conservatives you have black AMEs and you have black Baptists and then you have national Baptists and progressive Baptists and I'm a holiness and I'm cogent. And so depending on where you are, you know, um, de determines who you show up to be as a black church. Um, and I, and I also feel like we have been caricatured. The black church has been caricatured, you know, the shouting, the, the praise breaks, the preacher's going to preach a long time. They're going to sing for a long time. Very emotive, very, um, you know, high energy. But, but even that is a caricature. Even that's a stereotype. What makes the black church, the black church at its essence, is deeper than a worship style. It's right. even deeper than um, what title is on the outside of your door. What the black church is in its essence was a response to injustice. Mm -hmm. The black church was formed in America as an act of resistance against white supremacy, whiteness, white privilege, that said, you all don't belong on the level that we belong. We're over you. You are, you are uh, inferior to us. You are slaves. You are less than, you are three-fifths of a human being. You don't deserve the right to vote. Your wives don't, your women don't, or women and ladies in the black community, you don't get any say of whether you're going to keep your children or not. You don't have a voice. You don't matter. And the black church is now created in the uh, 1700s and the 1800s, not in buildings and in, in brush harbors, outside in the woods where they were having worship together. All of that from the woods to the avenues and the boulevards, we at our essence, are supposed to be responding 
and fighting back um, uh, systems of injustice, systems of impression, of oppression, systems of racism, systems of bigotry in this nation. That is what the black church was founded to be. Now, I don't know what it has become. Now, there are some people who are still tied to those roots and they understand that the church exists to help the community. The church exists to make sure that we are being a voice for voiceless people and helping voiceless people get a microphone so that they can be heard. Uh, but some of us have lost our way in the black church, but there are still some who have been strong through the civil rights movement, through the 80s, through the 90s, through the early 2000s, and they're still fighting for justice now. And there's some now that are just caught up in what we wear, how we shout, how good is the music, and can the preacher hoop. And okay. that's a problem. Okay. And I know that's a big answer, but that was a big question. <laughs> it, I agree. It was a big question and it was a big answer. But if you, so if going to the black church being created as a response mechanism, and I agree with that, right? Because if we think back to the plantation, right? Like you said, the black church was definitely created in a field, right? Under a tree. I, I agree with that. But if we also, if we counter that with thinking about the black race, right? And looking at the pain that continues to kind of um, just kind of underlay the black race that just continues to funnel decade after decade, then would you say then that that pain is still there in the black church? Um, is that pain there still, is that history still rooted deeply in the black church then? Or has the black church kind of really stepped away from that? And that's why then you mentioned that there are some black churches that aren't responding to those things. Is that because that history has just kind of like funneled away then from the black church? Yeah, yeah we, we've lost a lot of black churches. I won't generalize and overgeneralize because that is an act of ignorance. But I will say a lot of black churches have lost our history. We've lost our legacy and we've really lost our efficacy. What makes us powerful is that we did, we were, I mean, black preachers led the movement. Black right. preachers were no, Adam Clayton Powell's and the likes of, of, of Dr. King and so many others, Fred Shuttleworth in Alabama and even, even Representative Congressman, the late John Lewis. I found out he was a preacher. Preacher, he was a preacher, exactly. Uh, Reverend, Reverend C.T. Vivian, who just passed a preacher. Mm -hmm. So it was just in us that if you talk about Jesus, you connect it to that scripture Jesus quoted for his inaugural sermon from Isaiah. Look for, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right. And he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Right. to set at liberty those who are bound, to set captives free, to preach the recovery of sight to the blind, not physical blindness, but those that, are, that aren't seeing the world quite right, and to, and to, and to set captives free, and all, all that language, and, to, um, and the last one I think is, is to and preach liberation for the oppressed. That's where we, we're supposed to be. And I don't know where we lost it, no, I think I know where we lost it. And, 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 and you told me you were all right with me starting trouble. So I'm about to go there right now. Okay. We okay. lost it when our theology of liberation was co-opted by um, what I would say a white evangelical conservative theology that loves Christ, but doesn't really understand Jesus. Right. 
Right. Um, you know, this, 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 this theology in, in a book for this, if anybody's interested in going further, uh, Dr. Raphael Warnock, the pastor of Ebenezer there in Atlanta, wrote a book called The Divided Mind of the Black Church. And he talks about how you can preach the, about the slavery of sin, which is what a lot of white evangelical conservative preachers do, or you can talk and be about fighting the sin of slavery. It's a difference. Mm -hmm. One is focused on the slavery of sin. You know, if you get delivered from sin, you go to heaven. It doesn't matter what happens down here, no matter how much you face down here. One day, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to go to heaven and right. you're going to be free from your sins. But the other black church uh, does not just talk about the slavery of sin. They also talk about the sin of slavery and they talk about the injustices the bigotry, the sexism, the racism, the classism, the, the homophobia, the xenophobia that impacts people right here on earth. Right. So Joseph Lowry, another preacher who was in the movement, Reverend Joseph Lowry, one day when I was at Morehouse, he said, I'm not just trying to make heaven my home. I'm trying to make my home more heavenly. Exactly. Exactly. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I always quote this line from the color purple, where uh, Sophia is mad at Celie for telling Celie to tell Harpo to beat her. And uh, Celie tells Sophia, we'll worry about all that when we get to heaven, things will be a lot better. And Sophia tells her, you better worry about heaven later and worry about what's down here on earth. And I agree with you that sometimes I think that you're right, that we do have a very divided uh, black church because of the theology that we teach. Um, and some of it, I think it's generational based, right? Um, you have, you know, uh, and some of it, you, even the, within a generation is very divided, right? So you have those who have endured the struggle and then once they were able to, I don't wanna use the word make it, but once they were able to kind of come out of that struggle, right? Once they got good jobs, once they were able to make some money, once they were able to kind of move into better neighborhoods, um, <clears throat> they, they didn't think that the struggle was definitely over, but they felt like they had really kind of, really made some headway from the struggle. So there were some things that they felt like, we, we, we don't wanna fight anymore. You know, and so they kind of just stop fighting and you can really see that now, because honestly, if you look at you have the 60s and you have the 70s and then there was like a plateau in the 80s. Right. And then, you know, e even some way into the 90s until you have like my generation, our generation that came along in, you know, and we're thinking like, OK, yes, we have these opportunities. But even within these opportunities, there is still a lot of injustices to be fought, you know. And so um, if you look at the black church, then if we think about all of these movements that were created, all of those meetings that were held within the black church, how do we get back to making the black church really giving it its central role within black America? Honestly, because I've always felt like the reason why we really can't get into one unified space within black America is because of the, because the black church is just like you said, lost so much of its efficacy. We really have, I mean, we're so divided as, yeah a black body of believers. And 
Yes, it's some, I mean, I don't think it has to do with all of the denominations, but I mean, obviously there are a lot of denominations. We're really fighting on what we believe in the first place. But in addition to that, we don't even agree on what we want, on how we want to fight the injustices, right? And so how do we get back to that? How do we place the black church back as the central meeting spot and not just a physical meeting spot, just as a meeting spot to, you know, we need to figure out what we want. What do we want the next 20 years to look like for our children, for us? You understand what I'm saying? Two things come to my mind as I hear your question. And that number one, we will never all be on the same page. That is historic. You know, W.B. Du Bois talked about the talented 10th. Booker right. T. Washington talked about, hey, let's get out here and, and do it another way. Put exactly. our hands, <laughs> use agriculture. And, and W.B. Du Bois was like, no, we have to be refined so that we can bring our people up. Booker T. Washington was like, no, you can be out here and work and come on, let's, 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 let's do it another route. You had Dr. King, you had Malcolm X. I mean, all through history, you, 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 I mean, and I can keep going where you see one group says this is the answer. The other group says this is the answer. My point is, I don't care what, which way you try to go, as long as you're pushing people towards liberation. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a different theology than some of my contemporaries. But what we've agreed on is we all think people ought to know Jesus Christ. Right. And, right. and, and we all know that the world we're living in, especially in 2020, you cannot just be out here talking about we going to heaven and you are not interested in the model prayer where thy kingdom come uh -huh. thy will be done, will be done. Right. on earth, earth. Yeah. as it is in heaven so all I, I got i have friends black white women men who we differ on some things but we have all got to get back together because right now we're fighting a different kind of demon right right uh, and when I say demon, I'm not just talking about some little critter we think runs around and tortures people inside of their bodies. I'm, I'm talking about when Mark said that there was a boy possessed with a demon. And in the book of Mark, whenever you see the word demon, it means a terribly powerful, hostile force. Mm -hmm. Back then, we didn't have science and updates. The boy was dealing with epilepsy, but they called it a demon because they didn't know what right. it was called. He was throwing himself and gyrating and shaking. But, but, but the point of Mark is, whenever you see demons show up in the gospel narrative, he's trying to paint a picture that it's a terribly powerful, hostile force. Mm -hmm. And here's the shouting part for the folks who are real deep Christians. Mm -hmm. The shouting part is, no matter what terribly powerful, hostile force comes, Jesus is stronger than that. Exactly. So Trump, this, I mean, what he did last night in the debate. I mean, literally was being spoon fed to say, denounce white supremacy. He acted like, what do you mean? What do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to call them? And what then he says, say? right. <laughs> and then he calls out this group, this new group, who's basically an updated version of, of the Ku Klux Klan. Exactly. Proud boys, stand back and stand by and then quickly moves on to something else. You, we, listen, I, I don't know no other way to answer your question other than, <laughs> There are moments in life where even if you want to ignore something, it's going to become so in your face, you can't ignore it. Right. And right now, racism and all of the stuff we're dealing with is so in our face right now, you can't ignore it. Can't your ignore children it. see it. Students feel it. Older people are feeling it. Uh, preachers are feeling it. I don't care who you are. This pandemic 
is literally an extension of the type of irresponsible leadership that's going on right now from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Everybody's been affected by this pandemic. Why is America, why do we have more deaths from this pandemic than any other nation in the world? Why? Right. Because there's right. an issue in high places. And Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So right. it's in our faces now. Either you're going to be asleep or you're going to be woke. Right. And the, and I know I got I know I'm talking too long, but this is your fault because oh, you no. asking me <laughs> questions that you're asking me you're good. questions. You're good. That, and then what I think is beautiful about the black church is we're all going to respond differently. So I'm not mad at a preacher that does not directly call this out a certain way. Everybody's not a Dr. Jeremiah Wright and a Dr. Freddie Haynes Precisely. or Reginald Sharp who's going to literally mount the pulpit and address head on what just happened in the news. Right. You have people like, you know, you know, your pastor, my mentor, yes. Pastor Jerry Black, who's not going to necessarily call it out in that way, but he is going to help us navigate the wilderness. Yes. Certainly. He's going to still give Certainly. principles. It's a more pastoral approach. Some people take a more prophetic approach. Mm -hmm. Some people take a more sagely pastoral priestly approach but what i think is and because because the reason i'm bringing this up is because there are preachers right now who will condemn a preacher for not exactly. calling it out exactly and, it, and that's not right everybody's doing it in their own way the spirit is working in different ways using different voices and it is the variety of voices and gifts that are going to help our community flourish because everybody can't do it the same way and I think that's good because honestly, we all hear differently, right? So even as a teacher, I have to understand that my students learn differently. So I have to present knowledge in a different way in order for them all to be able to grasp it. So there are going to be some people who you have to be gentle with them, right? You can't, the Jeremiah Wright might offend some, right? So, you know, you those people who are very prim, very proper, they don't take kindly to the Jeremiah Wrights. And so you have to have the Jerry Blacks. And so, you know, God bless him. I love him and I love his approach. And so sometimes, you know, you do have to have the very, um, the, the subtle ways in order to present things to some people. And then there are some people like, for instance, you know, for the younger crowds, you do need to very bold ways in how you will present things to them. But again, like you said, I think that it's important that either way, God will allow those leaders to present it in the way that their parishioners need to get it. Now, the one thing, like you mentioned, is you just can't ignore it, right? You just have to know that we do have to address it. And so if, if we think about racism, which we know is just, um, and I think that is the problem, the reason why it's hitting us so hard is because we have been ignoring it. We, we did think that, you know, let's just try to ride the wave and see if it's going to just kind of, you know, erase itself, but it's, it's never going to erase itself, right? Um, you have uh, the pandemic and, and what the pandemic is really unwrapping is major issues with healthcare and, um, and healthcare in our class system because, Obviously, it's presented itself in so many different ways. And healthcare obviously unwraps another issue with race, but it really unwraps an issue with class because um, if you don't have access to proper healthcare, then you really are feeling the effects in a totally different way. And the other thing with that is if you haven't been getting proper healthcare even before the pandemic, then it shows that you know, you're know you already unhealthy, right? And so it may affect you differently. Um, and then you also have... Um, 
other issues that are presenting with the black church. So what challenges? We know there's racism. We know there's the pandemic. What other challenges do you see facing the black church as we get ready to kind of maybe close out 2020? It seems like the longest year ever. But as we close out 2020 and get ready to approach 2021, what other challenges do you see facing uh, the church in general? Um, male leadership mm -hmm. is a problem. We need to decenter male leadership, only thinking that God can use men. Mm -hmm. um, we have to watch out for the lack of conversation and dialogue around mental health. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's on another level right now. It is. Pandemics, crises, social unrest exacerbates, it exaggerates, it, it, it just it's, it adds on another weight. So in 2018, 2019, you might've gone through a breakup and it's like, oh, I just gotta deal with this breakup. In 2020, <laughs> a breakup becomes catastrophic because right. it ain't just a breakup, it's I just watch a man be killed on my phone and Trump just basically told white supremacists to get ready and stand by <laughs> and- <Right. laughs> And, you know, people are still dying. And so yeah. mental health has to become a premier conversation. The decentering of, 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 of toxic masculinity, maleness in our churches. Uh, our church cannot be stuck in traditionalism right now. You, you have to be open to new ways to think. You, you, in a, I mean, it has to go to another level. Like, how do we keep this community together? How do we keep our young people engaged? How do we save marriages and relationships? How do we make sure that those who are, you know, poor and, and you know, struggling, how are we caring for them right now? And it's going to go to another level. And, uh, and I just feel like you need creative people around. It is time for young people to shine. Who led the civil rights movement? Young people. People, right. Dr. King was not 60 and 70 not talking about I have a dream. No, he was in his 30s. John Lewis, young at the March on Washington. Very you gonna young. You're going to make me throw this laptop. <laughs> young people. Yes. It was the students outside. Right. Why are we in our churches? Why, have not, why haven't the young people been pulled up? Who knows technology better than young people? Exactly. Who knows how to work all this stuff better than the young, the millennials, the the the, the zers, the wires, and all that? I don't know the names. There's so much now, but but why? Why are we still only being led by people in their 60s and 70s and 50s? Right. And it's not that you can't do it. You don't have to know everything. You just got to have the right people around you to listen and help you think, help you be creative. And I think that's about. To, we're about to see a downturn. There, there was a lady, and, and I'm not just saying this, uh, I'm not saying anything I'm saying based off of my personal feelings. I'm saying what I've heard and I've seen over time. There's a lady who pastors in Florida. She is my cousin's pastor. And I'm putting myself out there right now, but ain't nobody gonna know who I'm talking about. But she's my cousin's pastor. And they said, uh, Pastor, can you please just get on Facebook so we can watch the service? She says, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. Do you know right now, in what is it, September? This whole pandemic, she has not accepted technology, no Facebook Live, no YouTube. If you don't have a social media presence right now, you almost don't have a church. Hey, 
I know someone in that same situation <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, <laughs> and I was just yeah. like, it's been, we have been in this pandemic now almost seven months, seven, seven months. months. And I was thinking, so you know your people watching somebody else, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they done gone to another church. And they make and they may show back up when we all return, but here's the real reality. They may not. Right. Because they're like, who was there for me and my family? Right. Who made themselves accessible? Who still ministered with you know with, with some level of intentionality and creativity during this? Because if you fed me in a storm, when the storm stops, that don't mean I'm leaving. I want to stay where, where what fed me in a storm. Right. Exactly. You know, Exactly. Uh, you don't leave friends that you met in, in trouble. No, don't. Yeah. Real friends get connected in trouble and right. we stay friends. Right. So I'm saying we are in trouble if, if people don't utilize youth, if we don't embrace the voices of women, if we don't talk more about mental health, and if we don't get rid of some of our own bigotry and biases against yeah. all people, different, yeah. different religions. Right. Different sexual orientations, mm -hmm. uh, different people who see life differently. We, 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 I'm not saying we got to condone everything. I'm not saying you got to agree with everything, but we have to check ourselves. Somewhere the Bible says in that book we read called the Bible, uh -huh. somewhere is in there about some stones and some throwing of some stones. Right, right. And, and, and Jesus happened. said, mm -hmm. let him who's without sin cast the first stone. At yeah. some point, you got to, you got to look at yourself. You do. You do. I agree. I agree. And we all have to do self-check, self-checks. Yeah. Yeah. There's one thing that you mentioned, and, and it's interesting because obviously I am, um, you know, all female, all female. And so, um, you know, and I love my black girls um, and I love for them to be empowered. Um, but as, as we talk about, you know, uh, black female preachers and uh, pastors and empowering them, sometimes, though, um, I feel like we are forgetting about our black men, all right? Especially in a society that often condemns them and, and obviously does not, we know this, that does not value their life, right? As how quickly they will um, take their life. And so then sometimes I wonder, especially as we begin to navigate these conversations and making sure that we are definitely including our black women in leadership, um, are we, are we pushing our black men to the side in in a in a time where we do need to be kind of making sure that they're you know um, elevated and not just elevated to the point of where we're you know idolizing or worshiping them, but just making sure that they are you know cared for and and valued because we know that um, other parts of society are not doing it. So is the African American race constantly pushing forward the black woman and forgetting about the black man, especially in the church? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm talking about from a leadership perspective. I, I don't know if I agree that that's happening, but what I see happening from a leadership perspective, as far as clergy preaching and all of that, I'm saying just because you pull up a chair to the table to include new voices doesn't mean you lose your seat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not suggest, suggesting necessary replacement. I'm suggesting inclusion. I'm, I'm suggesting we need to hear from women more what these are our mothers. These are our teachers. These are our grandmothers. These are the people that hold our communities down. Why aren't they at the tables when major decisions are made in the black church? 
-hmm. When the truth is, if you take women out of the black church, you have no black church. No church. <laughs> right, right. So, okay. so, so I'm going to tithe. I'm going to support. I'm going to cook y'all's chicken. I'm going to show up. I'm going to create. I'm going to decorate. I'm going to plan. I'm going to be in the background making sure this Zoom stuff working. And I'm going to be in the background making sure that ministries are taken care of. And when it comes time to for major decisions to be made, we often diminish the voice, diminish the agency of black women. Now, what you're speaking of in another front is, is the black church doing enough to minister to black men in this season? I feel like the answer is no. We do need to do more to make sure we are helping them understand the power of mental health, mm -hmm. understanding the power of helping maybe find job creation for them. It's hard out here for a black man. Right. It is. Right. You know, I mean, it's so much that we sometimes suppressed. We, we, we suppress things. We keep things in. You, you see these old men, you know, at, at dinners and parties, and you wonder why they sit in the corner, corner just quiet. Yeah. And it's, we've normalized, like, oh, yeah, that, that's a real man. He don't talk much. He just quiet. But when he speaks, he say something. Why have we normalized a black man being quiet? Yeah. Why is yeah. that normalized? Mm -hmm. Why is it normal for us to say, you know, women crying are emotional, but men, you know, you know now he's a man, so he ain't going to cry. Why have we made it normal for a man not to cry? I feel like we need to do some teaching. And, and, and men, all this violence, uh, uh, killing each other, beating their women, abusing their children. It's like, hey, bro, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about this trauma and this anger that you got yeah. so deep in you that you go home and snap on your family every other day. So yeah. we have to do more to help them, of course, show appreciation. But that's... I'm not saying move men out the way and just get women everywhere. No, no, no. I'm saying we need to hear their voices in places of power and leadership as well. Okay. So then I don't want to think, I don't, I don't want it to sound like I feel like we're just so problematic, right? Because we, you and I both love the church, right? We've been in the church all of our lives. So where do you feel like, uh, we know, first of all, God's church is under um, his you know, the church falls under Jesus, right? And so we know that God is the head of the church, first of all, right? It's not under any pastor or anything like that. We're just, we just have charge over it um, here on earth. Um, so where do you feel that the church is really doing a great job right now? You know, is uh, if we want to call it quote unquote winning, um, where is the church really, you know, succeeding right now? And um, how is it really helping the black community in ways that you've seen, um, not just in Chicago, but while you were here in Atlanta, just on a general scale? Great question. First, let me say you only critique what you love. Yeah. When you have a critique or a suggestion for something you don't love, you usually keep it to yourself because <laughs> you're like, that ain't my business. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I do not care. So we have to give space for the critiques we have to give, give space for the pushing back and say, hey, this could be better. I see more. I, I expect more. I love this. If you have a lover or a partner, you don't critique them out of your anger and hate for them. You critique right. them because it's like, I know you can do better. I know we can be better. So yeah. critique usually is a sign of deep love. And so my critiques for the church are never from a place of, ah, and I, you're not and you're not and you're not. I'm in the church fighting for the church because I know what the church can be and do. So right. uh, to, to, to answer your question, where are we winning? I think in this pandemic more than ever, the church has gotten back to what we're supposed to be about. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. I've seen more churches doing things for the community, food pantries, making sure that they passing out supplies to those who are, who are in danger. I've seen churches pull up, come to the parking lot, get COVID-19 testing right here, partnering with organizations in the community. Hey, we're giving out free masks. Hey, we're giving out free dinners. Hey, we, we, we want to bless the youth. We want to do something for teachers. We want to do something for students. I've seen more churches now doing, doing for the community what we should have always been doing. Mm -hmm. And right. that is the real church is not in the building. The right. real church happens outside the doors. Um, so I, you know, y'all know I went viral <laughs> telling the people we're not coming in the building and da 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 da. da. <laughs> and and the quote of that viral video is, "The church is open, the building is closed." Yeah. I see the church being who we're supposed to be now more than ever, and and where I think we're winning, I hear more people talking about voting. I hear more churches talking about being safe. Uh, trying to close the gap of health disparities, educational disparities, helping those who don't have the have and the have nots. And I think that black preaching is really shining right now because black preaching has always been a, a, a preaching in its essence that helps people through struggles. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we came out of. So when the preacher goes to one Friday, he died. <laughs> they did. But early Sunday morning, it, it, it is not the words, it's the, it's the pathos, it's the passion behind the words, it's the hope, it's the, it's the meaningful resilience of God that keeps pushing through whatever happens that, that gives us a reason to smile again, hope again, try again, laugh again, shout again, believe again. So black preaching those who are taking the craft seriously, it's shining right now. I've heard some sermons that have just left me in tears because yeah. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for speaking, um, speaking through other preachers, men and women. And, and even some of my own sermons, I preached them. And, and, when, it, and when it replays, I'm sitting there crying, boohooing, like, what is wrong with you? Get yourself together. I'm like, this is good. I don't know what I was, I don't know what I was going through and I said it, but I, that, that's good. So I feel like black preaching for those who really, really care about people. Yeah. Preaching is, yeah. is, is pulling a lot of people through right now. I, I agree with that. And uh, I agree that, you know, there are definitely a lot of people being helped right now. And one of the things you said is that um, I believe that people are really getting back to the essence of worship right now um, because it's just bare bones worship. It's just yes. the word of God and just being able to worship him in the beauty of holiness. Um, because, you know, when it's just you and a screen, you have no choice but to either just leave it alone or to just join in and really appreciate God for who he is. Um, and that's what he wants us to do anyway. So, you know, um, obviously we all look forward to the day when we can get back into the sanctuary and be a part of corporate worship. But um, if you are missing this moment right now, then, you know, yes. we're definitely praying for you because it, it is definitely a moment. And we know that God um, is strategic in how he places us in a moment. It's one other thing I got to say when you talk about we all are rushing to get back. I hope the church is never the same again. We oh, have made this year with the bare bones that you just described, preaching, mm -hmm. worship, mm -hmm. being in the community, 
finding creative ways to be together, whether it's a Zoom with a ministry or you had a, I, I'm told you had vacation Bible school in your backyard. In my backyard. <laughs> but, but, but where did the book of Acts, where did the church start? In the house. Exactly. And that, you know what? It was so funny because as I was praying about it, because um, I've been teaching at Vacation Bible School at my church for so many years, and I was just crying out to the Lord at the end of May. And I was like, God, why would you do this? You know how much I love Vacation Bible School. Yeah. And the Lord said, you have a house. And he, he took me to the book of Acts. And so many, you know, all the disciples going in and out of people's homes. And the Lord said, this is where ministry began in the first place. And, and I talked to my parents and daddy said, well, I guess we'll hitch some tents. And that's where it took place. But the ministry that took place that week. With, with bare bones, not all the decoration. Not uh, 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 the fellowship hall might not have been open. Nobody right. cooked as good as they would have normally cooked. But bare bones. But just, just to just, just give me Jesus. Right. You can have all this world. See, that's a black. That's that's out of black tradition. Give me Jesus. You can have yeah. this whole world. Give me the Holy Spirit. Give me the experience with God. I don't care. Keep the lights. Keep the camera. Keep the hype. Yeah. Keep all these meetings. All these committees. Y'all can yeah. have it. You, give yeah. me Jesus. When I'm in my storm, I don't. I don't want to hear all that no more. I, and when we get back to church, it's so much stuff about to be cut out. You know, it's so funny. I just talked to one of my friends. I said that I can is 50 percent of the stuff we were doing before. I already know it needs to just be washed under the table, just need to be washed under the table because we don't even miss it. We don't even miss it. But it's all it, the Lord knew we needed to get back to him. We needed to get back to him because he's the only thing that's carrying us through in the first place. It's not those committee meetings. It's not. It's nothing but the Lord. So I agree with that is the essence, though, of the black church It's Jesus, first of all, it's Jesus, first of all. And so that is what that is what I pray will take us through 2020. And that is what I pray will take us through the, these years. I pray to God that every black person in America is registered to vote, number one, yes. especially after last night. Um, and not only are they registered, but that they will vote between uh, the early voting period or through November 3rd. Whether you have to vote via absentee ballot, whether you go early vote or whether you vote on that day, because we know how important it is to not only be spiritually active, but to be socially active and to be active in our communities. And, you know, the Lord tells us to be active, right? He tells us to obey the laws of the land. But we see so many instances in the Bible where we had to take part in the communities that we live in. Um, but I do know for sure that no matter what happens on November 3rd, I know who holds November 4th. Right. And I know who holds November 5th, 6th and so on and so on. So we will trust in the God who holds today, tomorrow and all the days to come after that. Uh, Pastor Reginald Wayne Sharp, Jr., pastor of the Fellowship Chicago Bible Ch uh, Baptist Church in Chicago. I know that you are hopeful because I know that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But as an African-American male outside of being the pastor, are you hopeful for America? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I am hopeful. Hope. The definition I use is uh, from a book called *The Theology of Hope*, mm -hmm. written by Jurgen Moltmann, and he says 
that hope is the belief that your reality will one day be your history. Right. It is the belief that what is will one day be what has been. Um, and so that it's the pushing that, okay, tomorrow's possible, something can change. So I'm hopeful in America. I'm hopeful not in America, I'm hopeful in American citizens. I'm hopeful in American prophets and activists and those who are willing to push for better days for all people. Um, so I'm not really hopeful in the American system at all. Right. I'm not hopeful at all, you know, because, you know, President Trump didn't win the uh, popular vote in 2016. Right. Right. Won the electoral <laughs> college vote. Exactly. There, there, there are systems in place that make me not, not hopeful at all, but I'm hopeful in the people. Yeah. And the people make the country. Um, I'm hopeful in the crisis because somehow God uses crisis to awaken people. You know, even pain awakens. You would not go check on your body often unless some start hurting. And so I, I'm grateful. I'm hopeful in the pain of the country right now. I'm, I'm hopeful that the pain begins, the pain of watching people die, the pain of our children suffering, the pain I hope the pain wake is enough to wake us up. So I'm hopeful in the people and I'm hopeful in the pain. You know, I'm a black preacher, so there goes your alliteration. Okay. I'm hopeful in the people, I'm hopeful in the pain, and I'm hopeful in the power of God. Come on, there you got three points there. Hey. Uh, because I don't care. You know, there's a song that kind of captures it. And I think it says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. I'm hopeful in that name. I'm hopeful in the power of God because I've seen rulers who were evil have to bow. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, right. Caesar, <laughs> Hitler. I've seen them all. Yeah. They've all had to bow. So it takes time sometimes, but I know God's power will stand above whatever shifts happen in the kingdom. So that's what I'm hopeful in. Well, any final words to our listeners? Any final words to the members of this uh, great historic and powerful black church that we know will continue to stand because uh, Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom to Peter oh so long ago. And we know that his church is still standing. So you have any final words? Everybody, every human being, everybody should be in therapy. Yeah. Everybody should have a therapist, period. You can have Jesus and a therapist. And so um, I know the fight for happiness, the fight for fulfillment is deep. And um, it's hard sometimes with the therapist. <laughs> it's hard sometimes with help, but it's so much harder without it. So that's my, those are my final words for the black church, that we protect our minds, that we protect our mental health, and that we get back to the African principle of Ubuntu, Ubuntu, which means I am because you are. I am because we are. Um, we are because I am. 
stay connected to each other, even though we're virtual, even though we're socially distanced. Do whatever you got to do to not be out here in these streets by yourself. Don't, you know, it, it feels safe. It feels sometimes comforting to be alone, to shut in, to turn within. But right now we don't need that. You need community now more than ever. So push yourself to stay connected. Um, um, but that's, that's, that's all I have to say. And I promise you, I promise you this, that there's this scripture that says something about weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I don't know which morning, <laughs> but there is a morning coming and it's going to be all right. Amen. Well, we appreciate you, Pastor Sharp, for taking the time to talk to us, to have this great conversation about the state of the black church and as you mentioned, we know that at the end of the day, it's all in the Lord's hands, but we must do our part. And so we're going to do our part. And we hope that you out there are also doing your part because everybody has a part as we are many members, but one body. But we know that God has given us all a specific role. So it's not just up to the pastors, not just up to the leaders, but we are all significant in God's great church. So as I said before, uh, the date for the uh, registration to be registered to vote for this year's election is October 5th. So if you're not registered to vote, please do get registered. Um, and please don't believe that if you've uh, had something to happen in your past, that that will prevent you from voting in the future. There are so many different things that you can do, so many different ways that you can um, become registered to vote. So reach out to us and we'll direct you to the right resources. We need every single person to be registered to vote, all right? If you are 18, we need you to be registered to vote. It is so critical that everyone be registered to vote and that everyone not only be registered, but that everyone actually votes in this year's election. It is that important in our life and our livelihood really does depend on it. Um, and then we also, as Pastor Sharp mentioned, we do want you to be connected. So connect with us on social media, but also make sure that you are staying con uh, connected with your family and with your friends, with your church body, um, whether it's through Bible study, whether it's through worship on Sundays, through all of the different means that your church has to offer. And if it's not your church, get connected with a Bible-based church. Uh, Pastor Sharp's church is Fellowship Chicago. You can find them on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. He always has a timely word for you and for your family. Um, you can connect with my church, Beulah Missionary Baptist Church with Pastor Jerry D. Black. We would love to have you, but either way, get connected to God because he definitely would love to have you. And before you go, I definitely would love to pray for you. God, thank you so much for the people in my army and thank you so much for Pastor Sharp. I ask that you would just continue to keep him strong mentally, physically and spiritually. And Lord, we know that you still hold the entire world in the palm of your hand. And we ask that you, not, that you continue to hold today, tomorrow and all the days to come. Thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to Confessions, Convictions and Conversations. We are just getting started. So make sure to connect with me on social at AS Davenport and at Fresh Start Fridays. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.asdministries.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and be a part of April's Army. Remember, any time is a good time to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, live by your own personal convictions, 
and it's always a great time to have a good conversation. I'm your girl, April Davenport. See you next time.